0: Welcome to the continuous delivery podcast. My name is Zerar.
1: I'm Cheesy. I'm Chaba. And I'm Hino.
0: Today's topic is complexity. How do you know you are working in a complex environment?
2: A Complex environment is one in which it, it's difficult to complete things, in which it's difficult to, uh, yeah, bring about, uh, completion. So, uh, Whenever there's too many people, I have to coordinate with to finish something. Whenever uh, the people I need to reach are unreachable, whenever the dependencies are external to the team, these are all forms of complexity for me.
0: Whenever a seemingly simple change requires a lot of coordination and effort and communication, that to me is also a sign of uh, that. That I may be operating in an environment that is uh, complex, or a code base that is very complex, or or an organization that is structured in, in a very complex way.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the biggest indication of of working in a complex environment for me is is the fact that I can't predict how things are going to go. I, I have a sense, I have a sense of how things can go, but 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 I also feel that there's always a risk that things can go awry, that, that there might be some curveballs that are thrown at us.
0: What about uh, complexity from a developer's perspective?
1: Well, the the main question is, and and he uh, know, touched on this is the is the human system, right? And uh, and uh, the more uh, this this environment is is complex, some from the from the perspective of dependencies, the or or the or the complexity of the business, then the developers are going to have sometimes conflicting priorities, and then and then again, this is one of those things where. The, the focus and then what is that developer or the development team has to work on needs to be needs to be narrowed down and and somehow that complexity needs to be needs to be reduced uh, in order to be able to accomplish anything and this is where the the role of uh, of a good product owner would come in or or the or the role of uh, of a, a very strong business leader who can narrow this focus uh, give purpose to the team. And uh, and kind of uh, cancel out a little bit uh, the the noise, so actually something can be accomplished.
0: Anytime a new requirement comes in, and you give it to a team or a developer, and it's it's not so obvious what the developer needs to do to make that change, uh, I I feel like you, you you are operating in a complex code base maybe. Uh, so if you're unclear on like what part of the application you need to change to make this little API change happen, that to me is is a sign of complexity of the, of the code base where maybe there's a lot of duplication in the code and making a change in one area is not enough. You're kind of scared to make that change only in one area because you've heard maybe a rumor that something else also needs to change. So you got to check with two or three other people. Now that we kind of have an understanding of what we mean by complexity, what are its causes?
2: Okay. Well, first of all, the the complex code uh, that, that you are describing is messy code or, or technical debt or legacy code, however we want to phrase it. And the skills necessary to work in that environment are are, are very different than, than skills maybe where you have a cleaner code base or more of a greenfield project. And so, uh, you know, knowing how to safely isolate a piece of code so that we can get tests around it so that I can safely make that change is kind of key in that that space. So so I've worked at places where there was architectural complexity and it wasn't necessarily that the code base itself was messy, but that the architecture was so huge, so overwhelming, so layered, so, so complex that sometimes to make small uh, little changes, uh, it, it took a lot of effort. Uh, you know, you have to make changes in a lot of different places. Uh, some of the frameworks that are very common these days require uh, a, a significant amount of change from my perspective to or a lot of code changes to make small uh, changes in the app. A lot of times I've talked to uh, companies, groups, development teams, whatever, about continuous deployment and these ideas around continuous deployment. And I've often heard, well, we can't do that here because our application is too complex. And uh, it, Inevitably, every time, once you talk to them about their app, it basically is a crud app with some business rules or something like that. So I've, I've actually never run into a case where what they had was incredibly complex, but that we have this notion that, that our business domain is very complex and that we can't do things. We can't move forward uh, with with a lot of more advanced modern technical practices because of the complexity that I think is not there often.
0: It's, it's almost like the technical... Complexity is projecting onto the business complexity, and we suddenly view the entire business and as complex when that may not be the case.
3: Yeah, that's fair, and oftentimes this is uh, because of the different moving pieces that we have in our applications and in our solutions. Um, that the choices, uh, the choices between uh, between technologies that we that we make, and so forth. And Cheesy brought up the example of uh, of frameworks as well. One of the reasons why frameworks are so complex is because they're solving uh, a problem for everyone. It's kind of a uh, one-size-fits-all kind of solution. And you need to take into account a whole bunch of things that you don't necessarily require in your application, right? So if you're using such a framework as the basis for your application, you're already hooked into all of that complexity that comes to support all of these other business applications that might be more complex than the one that you have. Now, in our own application, we oftentimes make those choices too. And we oftentimes make choices where we say like, you know what, Uh, we only need this small piece right now. but But if we don't, while we're working on it anyways, why don't we support what we expect is coming at us in three months or six months from now? So that kind of unknown future that we need to design for that automatically adds complexity to our uh, to our system as well. And oftentimes those are, those are just bad choices, in my opinion, especially uh, in this context of continuous delivery.
0: You don't wake up one day and go, oh man, the, the decision I made two days ago has resulted in a very complex system. It, it probably accumulates over time through a series of bad decisions or choices or trade-offs that have been made. And one day you realize that a simple change takes a lot of time. It takes three months to do something that should take maybe a day to do. How do you, in the day-to-day, become more aware and what can you do to prevent it? What are some some practices that we can take into our day-to-day?
1: So, so usually what happens is that uh, as organizations evolve, uh, let's say they grow, uh, then they will need more, comp- more and more complex solutions. Now, I could, I could quote here Conway's Law, which says that that your application's uh, complexity is going to reflect your organizational complexity. I believe that one of the big challenges that organizations face that um, uh, these systems are going to mirror their decisions, what they take organizationally. And the people who take these organizational decisions uh, it's it's almost impossible for them to see the the implications down the road, right? So let's say if you re if you reorg a group and you split them or you merge them, eventually your your systems and your and your environments was going to start reflecting those decisions. So usually they are they are caused by these decisions because they are usually fairly poorly architected. So when these when these organizational changes happen, then uh, they cannot really. Uh, reflect and they cannot really be easily refactored or redesigned
0: in a continuous delivery environment where you are trying to deliver value continuously and safely to your customers obviously complexity is a big enemy of speed there what are some of the practices a team can adopt to make sure we don't run into these issues Chaba talked about it from a uh, organizational perspective but from a team perspective what can we do
3: so
2: uh, I, th- I think there's two things. Uh, on the development space, we can continuously mercilessly refactor our code. So in other words, continue to do the simplest thing that could possibly work constantly. Keep our, our methods tiny, keep our classes small, uh, work toward good design, ensure that we have good tests. I think from a coding perspective, this this uh, is the way to fight off simplicity or fight off complexity, sorry. Uh, Another thing is uh, adopt a true DevOps approach. And the reason I put true in front of it is because most of what is passing for DevOps out there in the industry right now is anything but. Uh, True DevOps, to me, is not centralized. It's not a centralized group doing everything. That is complexity, a centralized group who tries to create something that will work for everybody and dictates how things work is not DevOps, it's complexity. Pushing things to the developers and let the developers build it, let the developers build automation, let them find ways to drive towards simplicity in uh, test execution, environment creation and deployments and things such as this will also continue to drive simplicity of our workflow and simplicity of uh, the environments that that our systems run in. Finally, last but not least, work in very, very tight feedback loops with product. Do not plan too far out. Uh, plan for the next few days and and continuously provide feedback uh, throughout the team and tighten those cycles. And I think these are the things that drive us
3: towards simplicity. All of the things that you mentioned, and I, I totally agree with them 100%, all of the things that you mentioned are actually talking about how to make things simpler, how to reduce that complexity. But it also uh, indicates that there is a whole bunch of effort involved in order to actually do this. You need to actively try to figure out what the smallest possible feature set is that you can deploy and implement. You need to uh, actively try to figure out uh, how to get that feedback from your end users uh, faster. You need to actively give that authority and the... um, and the autonomy to uh, the dev teams to uh, to work in a real DevOps DevOps fashion, and that requires effort. That requires an awful lot of effort. I, I want to
2: push back on one of the words you said, though. Give to somebody's got to give to them. You know, the thing is, is that if 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 they have it, then they could find the ways to address so many of these things that you just talked about, right? I mean, developers hate complexity. They hate uh, constraints that are uh, that we face all the time. They hate the handcuffs that they have continuously. So so from a management perspective, yeah, maybe it is about granting somebody some form of permission. But again, that's an organization that's set up around complexity. It's set up an
3: organization that's set up to empower and to trust people. It's a good point that you bring this up. It's not about it's not about giving. Indeed, the, the autonomy should already be with the squads themselves. When Cheesy talked about uh, merciless refactoring, That is indeed absolutely necessary. But again, that requires effort and it requires an awful lot more thinking. Oftentimes we are under pressure and we don't necessarily, or the developers feel that they cannot take the time to, um, to do that refactoring and to indeed make those designs as simple as possible. It's, it's somewhat of a, of a pressure thing here. I do not agree that developers inherently do not want complexity. I've seen an awful lot of proof that it's exactly the opposite. And I'm talking about complexity that they have control over themselves. They dislike complexity that is put on to them, but I've seen an awful lot of developers making an awful lot of choices that uh, resulted in a more complex solution than was actually required.
2: Uh, yeah, the times when I've seen that uh, are times whenever you typically would have one leader who's, they don't have to be something formally, but maybe a developer who has kind of become the leader of the group who isn't really open to collaboration, but is more about, I'm going to come up with the design and impose it on the team. And they push it out. And the rest of the team members often don't feel comfortable challenging that person. So I I find that that a collaborative effort often tends to work towards simpler ideas.
1: So I'm I'm kind of listening to you. And uh, and it's interesting that um, how we kind of um, uh, almost uh, went across the entire organization, or kind of like slice the entire organization across and discussed complexity from different angles, right? Organizational complexity, departments. Let's say how they're organized, and then and then team complexity, system complexity. Can you have a a simple uh, system or, or or a simple code base in a in a complex organization, or vice versa?
2: You, you can, but I think that the complex organization though keeps us from actually being able to uh, move toward continuous deployment, even though maybe on the code base, we might be able to make changes rapidly, getting these changes out to our end users uh, take a lot of time because of the comp- organizational complexity.
0: Sometimes you're so close to the problem that sometimes you need to sort of step back and analyze what's going on. Are there some tools and techniques or models out there that can help us?
3: Kinefin is the uh, is the the model these days that is that is used for uh, to to basically model complexity uh, or complex adaptive systems, uh, and it's a sense making framework. Uh, in its most basic form, uh, there there's kind of four areas. There's the and all of the areas they they kind of talk about characteristics of problems in that specific domain. The system is characterized by the relationship between a signal and a potential response. And I'll, I'll give a couple of examples of what those sims, uh, signals are. So obvious systems are systems where everyone understand what the outcome is of a certain trigger uh, to the system. So a, a typical example that I use for this is a bicycle. Everyone understands if you push harder on your pedals, that your bicycle will go faster. You don't need to be a rocket scientist for that. Uh, anyone knows that. Uh, children as well who's, who just start learning uh, how to ride a bicycle, they know that already too. So those are the obvious systems. Then you have the complicated systems. And complicated systems, you still can predict what the outcome is of a certain trigger, but you need to be a domain specialist in order to be able to predict this. So in my case, I don't know anything about cars. Uh, I can't explain why when you push harder on a pedal in a car, uh, your car goes faster. But I can I can assure you that my car mechanic can. Then you have the complex systems. In the, com- in the complex systems, you cannot really predict what the outcome of a certain signal is, but you can explain it after the fact. Once you get the outcome, once something has happened you can say oh now i understand why this happened i couldn't predict, i couldn't have predicted our friend but i can uh, after the fact one example might be i come to the office i make what i think is a, is a completely innocent remark to a colleague and the colleague is upset and after uh, a couple of minutes I, I i go for a coffee with the colleague and uh, and i ask so hey sorry i didn't mean to upset you but and the colleague starts talking to me about uh, about what happened in the morning and and how, uh, how that put this particular colleague in a different mindset and so forth. And then I say, well, of course, I totally get it. Uh, sorry, this was not my intent. So I can after the fact explain why this happened, but I could not have ever predicted it. And then the fourth uh, major area is uh, the chaotic area or uh, chaotic uh, systems where there is really no relationship between a signal and response. And why this is a valuable model is because we can actually use it to feel, to, to, to kind of uh, identify the best uh, ways to deal with problems or to resolve problems in those different domains. For obvious uh, problems, we, we oftentimes just use the, the best practices. For the complicated problems, we can use analysis. For complex problems, we use experimentation and we try to learn from those. And for chaotic problems, we just need to solve them by probing at all times, right? So this is—it's a model that is um, that is very well known right now. That is that is still being refined, and it's definitely worth uh, looking it up if you never heard of it.
1: Uh, I would add that there is a there is an application of that would be the Stacy complexity m- uh, matrix or Stacy complexity model, where kind of the model uh, like um, uh, a system that you would that you would build, where uh, where you have on, on the X and the and the Y you describe the, the the technical problem and the business problem, and that's that's another example actually where we could uh, where we could take that.
2: A couple of years ago, Fred George gave a talk. Uh, you could find lots of videos of it on on uh, on the internet, uh, where he said that uh, based on the model uh, of the problems that you're trying to solve, and he was using Pennevin model. Uh, your your architectures are you know you should choose your architecture based on which of those quadrants you find yourself in. So very interesting talk, fascinating, and I would throw it out to uh, to some of our listeners uh, to go find that.
0: Are, are there any? metrics related to complexity that teams or developers can kind of attune themselves to and kind of track to give them some, some sort of early feedback, whether their code is sort of trending in the right direction in terms of simplicity versus complexity?
2: Well, there's a classic static code analysis uh, of cyclomatic complexity, maintainability index, things like this that, that point to that. Now, also just a general idea of how easy is it to make a change? You know how fast can I make a change? Is it easy for me to quickly know and understand where to make it, and then is it easy to make it? So those those are just a few in the code.
0: This kind of correlates with the throughput, uh, because which we talked about a few episodes ago. Where if you have high throughput, you're able to successfully deliver changes quickly. That probably has an implication that your code is somewhat simple, because it allows you to deliver quickly.
1: I would go even further that now, now the implications of reducing code complexity could be reducing your business complexity. So, so writing simple user stories, which is ultimately is going to be in in a smaller smaller chunks of code.
3: If it takes you longer and longer and longer to do something small, so you talked you touched on throughput just a bit ago. If you if it takes you longer and longer and longer to get something done, uh, you probably have an increasingly complex system, right? Where where, where indeed you uh, you try to make some change, and uh, and suddenly you realize, oh, hang on, uh, there's more than one place where I need to make that change. So that to me is the biggest indicator. Actually, your uh, your throughput numbers. Uh, also, uh, when you have a, a bug and and you suddenly realize, oh, hang on, it, uh, I need to change something in the code in three places to fix this bug. Well, that's probably um, a sign that that things are bursting out of their seams.
0: Uh, before we conclude the podcast, a uh, quick plug. We do now have a LinkedIn group. Uh, so if you're on LinkedIn, uh, do search for the Continuous Delivery Podcast and join our group where we can take uh, ideas and suggestions for topics that you would like to hear. Uh, we also have a fresh new Twitter account at twitter.com slash continuous pod. And while I said that, I just realized nobody says twitter.com slash continuous pod. You just say at continuous pod. So do give us a follow. That includes you, Hino, and Chaba as well. <laughs> 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 and we'll be back soon enough you uh-huh.